0: It happens every summer. Stargazers delight in the opportunity to view constellations that can't be seen in winter, while car lovers delight in the opportunity to own one of our stars. At the Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, you can get the Mercedes-Benz of your dreams for less than you thought possible, like the supremely intelligent E-Class sedan or the awe-inspiring GLC. Don't miss this once-in-a-summertime opportunity. Hurry in to our summer event. Visit MBUSA.com to learn more. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing.
1: Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in High Fidelity.
0: I used to the world sees it rise with a
1: pop health week on the blog talk radio and affiliate networks is brought to you by health innovation media welcome everyone i'm greg masters the producer and co-host of the show and in the virtual studio today is my colleague fred goldstein principal co-host and co-founder here at pop health week howdy fred hello greg it's great to be doing another show with you this week Absolutely. For those of you not familiar with my colleague, Fred, he is a veteran healthcare executive and the president of Accountable Health LLC, which is a Jacksonville, Florida-based consulting firm. Fred serves on the editorial board of the Journal of Population Health Management and the best practices review panel for the Institute for Medicaid Innovations. He is a past chair and former board member of the Population Health Alliance Fred is known on Twitter as at FSGoldstein. My background includes thought leadership and strategy consulting for hospitals, health systems, and physician-led ventures. I published and principally author at acowatch.com, healthinnovationmedia.com, and precisionmedicine.center. And now for today's special guest, John McBride. John McBride is founder and chairman at Sunfish Health based in Merritt Island, Florida, whose vision statement notes Sunfish Health wants all clinical data to be accessible when and where it is appropriately needed. This allows the caregivers, health systems, and health plans to provide the best possible care for patients. John's bio notes that he is an experienced healthcare tech and executive with a proven record of growing business through innovative and reliable solutions. From the drawing from the drawing room to the boardroom, John seeks to be a value-added ex- executive leader and manager. His passion is to improve the healthcare and human experience, and is committed to building mission-critical systems. John has been responsible for all of the technology functions at multiple companies. Previously, he worked at Availty, an early stage as an early-stage CTO and the first CIO, creating and growing one of the largest real-time health information networks in the United States. Availty processes billions of healthcare transactions each year. And with that truncated introduction, Fred, over to you. Help us get to know John and more about his
2: work at Sunfish Health. Thank you so much, Greg. And John, welcome to Pop Health Week.
3: Hey, thanks so much, Fred and Greg, uh, for having me on the show today. It's an honor.
2: Oh, Well, it's a pleasure to have you. So, Give us a little more background into Sunfish Health and sort of
3: what you're doing, what area you're trying to solve. Absolutely. Um, Sunfish Health is actually born out of the need really to share data um, that's hard to find. So if you look around healthcare today, um, everything sort of begins and ends with data. And hopefully they're carrying people in between (laughs) uh, patients and caregivers alike. But uh, we're out there really to connect the two sides, you know, if there's multiple sides, and make sure that each project, each individual, each situation um, has access to the data. So Sunfish, in that case, is really uh, a connector. Uh, We look at it as a data as a service, uh, just to make sure that you don't have to focus necessarily on the bits and the bytes. But uh, if you look at all the tools that are out there today in healthcare, there's a lot of money being spent on analytics and and other great tools, uh, genomics. All of those require the data. So we just want to make sure that uh, people have access to that.
2: So, I mean, there are obviously a lot of sources of data out there, and it seems like, you know, in the fragmented healthcare system, we've got these fragmented data systems. What areas are you linking up?
3: Yeah, um, we link up just about everything we can. (laughs) Uh, I think a lot of vendors do that. A lot of uh, players that are in healthcare IT today really try to solve the problem, uh, and we call it interoperability, which I think people say is why it's It's a a problem to begin with. But uh, we really look in post-acute care as one area that we focus on. So that's skilled nursing facilities, long-term acute care, rehab facilities. A lot of these facilities that we go into um, are paper-based. So even though it's 2017, you'll see uh, paper charts, you'll see folders, three-ring binders, and hole punches. And uh, we really feel like that's no way for doctors and nurses and, and patients to really spend their time.
2: So, I mean, and that's been a problem. I remember a couple of years back, people talk about the fact that there's still a lot of people on paper records. Are you bringing that data in somehow, or are you having those people transition to some sort of a digital system?
3: We actually uh, try to solve the problem on the provider side, so the clinicians and doctors. So if I step back, and, and if I may, uh, we have a company called A Foundria, and I'm on the board there as well, and they focus on creating clinical data and post-acute care, meaning creating electronic data. Um, So in that case, we would actually work to uh, provide the doctors a view into the systems, the skilled nursing facilities, for example, uh, versus trying to fix the entire back end. As you know, um, you know, the back end problem is a big one. It's going to go on for quite a while. Uh, You know, we'll all tackle that together. But we try to make sure that the doctors are accessing data. The doctors we work with are typically hospitalists. Uh, they can be called, you know, extensivists and sniffists, depending on uh, on where you are. But these people typically walk in and out of maybe 10 buildings a day, you know, certainly in a week. And so, when you think of an EHR, uh, in a lot of cases, you're talking about patients coming into a facility to be seen. We really turn that around and make a tool um, called ChartPath that allows the doctors to go to multiple facilities. Each facility may have a different system or two. So they may walk into hospital A, it has, you know, system A, they go into a skilled nursing facility that has paper, then they go to a long term acute facility, uh, acute care facility, and that has yet another type of system. Well, for the doctor, we make sure that everything is done in one view for them. So they can log in, take a look at a patient, do a clinical note, and uh, basically be able to put the data in one system. And then from there, we take over at Sunfish, so we work on making sure that the data gets back into the appropriate underlying system. So it's a little complicated, but if you think about it from the shoes of the doctors and the nurses, uh, we really simplify everything from their perspective. Uh, I can't promise you we're, we're solving everything on the other side of the equation. There's so many connections out there.
2: So does the doctor, in essence, use your platform and go from facility to facility and log into your system?
3: Yes, they do. Each one? Absolutely. That's kind of the magic. So in some ways, it's a magic crayon. (laughs) They can go from facility to facility, um, really looking at the same thing, not having to worry about logging into multiple uh, different systems, not having to worry about uh, passwords and so forth, you know, different changing passwords and different uh, functionality. So it really simplifies their workflow. And again, just from their perspective, I promise it's still messed up on the other side. (laughs) There's a lot of work to be done there.
2: And you, and you then push that information back into whatever system it came from or it needs to go into?
3: Absolutely. So we'll put okay. it back into the underlying system or systems. So if you look at post-acute uh-huh. care in particular, uh, certainly we want to get it back into the skilled nursing facility system, the underlying system that they may have. But most of the doctors and patients, family caregivers really also want that data to go to the primary care physician. You know, usually the family caregivers want access to that as well. So we take care of making sure it gets to that next, uh, you know, that next stop.
2: Uh huh. You you talked a little bit uh, before we we went live on on working at hard to get data or hard areas to get data, and some of that you mentioned some of these post acute things. Where are those sort of bottlenecks as you see them? What areas are proving a little bit tougher to get into that digital system?
3: Yeah, that's a great point. I think you know, first before even technology begins, it's the most difficult thing I see across healthcare is really the politics of connecting. So I think everybody's worried about if you're connecting, you know, you're giving up some kind of, uh, you know, market share, some kind of leadership position, but we really try to look at that from the opposite perspective. We are data stewards first and foremost. We want to make sure that the data gets to where it needs to get. Um, having said that, though, really in post-acute care, when we, we go into some of these facilities, They haven't upgraded their systems in, you know, 20 years. Some of them don't have any electronic system. So it really is the skilled nursing facilities, uh, you know, the acute care facilities, but I'd say mostly SNFs, as we call them, the skilled nursing facilities. Um, They need a lot of updates and upgrades across the whole United States. So there's, you know, say 20,000 skilled nursing facilities. Most don't even have Wi-Fi. uh, Or if they do, it's pretty uh, unreliable. Wow. And, you know, I, I thought about this and
2: suddenly I don't know why I hadn't thought about this before, but we spent, you know, all this money on health IT and
3: dollars were allocated out to hospitals and providers. Did we leave the sniffs out? We did. So post-acute <laughs> was sort of left out um, yep. in the first uh, go around. I just read, uh, I think today or yesterday, that the behavioral health is now going to be uh, yeah, at least discussed, I think, right now for, uh, you know, getting technology. So, but it was Absolutely. definitely left out. And uh, if you think of healthcare, you know, as the... Uh, people often do in the money terms, um, about one quarter, you know, 20% to 25% of healthcare spend is in post-acute care, but there's not a lot of resources. And uh, even on top of that, if you look at the demographics, the population um, in post-acute care, it tends to be older. You're looking at uh, end-of-life situations uh, and so forth. That's where, you know, both uh, the cost goes up and the quality of life goes down so i think it's an opportunity to really improve that area with you know bringing data and then solutions that the uh, clinicians and the, the families can use
2: yeah and i'm thinking of this from a population health approach where you're saying wow we've got this 30 day readmit program but we're not even wired to the sniff you know and uh, and how does that impact it and i'm wondering are you are you seeing or have have you been able to document any improvements in terms of costs or quality outcomes as you put this these systems in place
3: Absolutely, we have. Um, in fact, a couple of our users do case studies, so we don't we don't get involved in those. We don't want to be biasing uh, the information. But uh, we've seen improvements, uh, you know, in the ninety percent range. This is going from paper, so I'll give you the extreme, right? But, uh, practices in post acute that move from paper, you know, ninety to a hundred percent improvement on on revenue uh, revenue cycle management uh, timeframes. So, um, a lot of what happens um, when you go from from the paper world into electronic, a couple things happen. You're starting to see things that were just lost. Um, If you think about it, Fred, the paper that's sitting in a box somewhere can't be reported on. Nobody knows that it's missing because it's paper. Uh, So that's number one. And then number two, once you do have that information, you can begin, um, you know, doing population health analytics and, uh, you know, other things with the data. So we've seen some huge improvements uh, just for the doctors who are in this business so that they can make a living doing what they're doing and, and without, you know, really changing anything, just bringing them technology that lets them manage their lives. So when somebody chooses to put this
2: kind of a system in and begin to link up these post-acute providers, et cetera, is the funding typically coming from a health system, an ACO, a payer? Are the Are the skilled nursing facilities themselves funding this up? Who pays for it?
3: Yeah, so the answer here is the doctors. Um, we have doctors that actually want to pay for this and do this. They see the benefit in what's going on, and they'll pay for this type of connectivity. Uh, when you look at the data side, so if I cut the world in half, you know, just say on the user side, you know, the doctors are paying for this. Still on the data side, just to put the, uh, you know, the caveat there, that's still more health system, um, even health plans. So a lot of the big payers are still footing the bill for that but that's how we see it broken up today um and certainly on the user user side we feel like it's a lot better to have the doctors um want to pay for something that helps them out uh, we feel like they're they should have the steering wheel of healthcare and be able to to head where it needs to go hopefully the patient is in the back you know telling them where they want to go uh, and we're we're seeing a huge improvement just by getting them involved and caring about their system again
2: yeah i was going to just uh, ask you about that you sort of did a nice lead into it uh, there's, the, you know, this whole uh, movement, who owns this data? And in essence, you're moving it around. Is there any uh, patient involvement in that at all? You talked about them sitting in the back seat with the physician driving, or is this just all behind the scenes stuff going on?
3: So today it's it's behind the scenes and what we're doing, but our vision is really to be able to connect to patients and family caregivers. So we do have partners and, and people who work in that area. And you know, our ultimate goal is to get this data back to the patients. So we do have some examples of that. Uh, so when I answer your question, I'm really trying to think a little bigger. You know, we certainly do it in pockets here and there. But I think as an industry, we need to do a better job of uh, giving the tools to the patients and really family caregivers. I think that that particular user is forgotten in a lot of the technology that we have today.
2: Yeah, uh, or, particularly if you're thinking post-acute, sniffs, et cetera, the caregivers are critical. Absolutely.
3: Yeah. So we focus on usability on uh, the chart path tool. When we look at um, what we do at Sunfish, we really look at how can we make this data get to where it needs to be? We are simply stewards. We want to take good care of the data, keep it secure, but make sure that the appropriate people get that data. Uh, early on when we sat down in a, uh, a boardroom, I guess, we hadn't even started any of these companies about five or six years ago. Um, we sat down and I think one of the doctors really summed up all of our feelings uh, from the technology side, from the MD side, pretty much everyone, uh, he said. In this case, you know, there's a lot of data that we get that's. Ah, I'm getting a little lightning here. If you didn't hear that, but I, I
2: did. Uh, <laughs> welcome to the of storms, right? <laughs> yeah, welcome. To, yeah,
3: this was uh, perfect a little while ago here, but uh, he said we get a lot of data in that's you know frankly garbage, uh, and it's either you can't find it when you do find it, it doesn't help anyone, it's too late, it's it's too much, maybe it's not even the right information. So what we'd like to do is when we gather data at Sunfish, we want to make sure whatever we pass downstream or upstream, you know, is better than what we take in. So we want to capture the data wherever we can get it. That includes, you know, again, working with a lot of paper systems, uh, you know, direct email, working with, uh, you know, some HL7 and other people who can do more high level connectivity. But we want to make sure whatever we do get, we pass it on and it's better than we got it and I I wish and hope, and I do meet a lot of people who kind of carry that philosophy, but I think health healthcare needs that right now. I think, uh, instead of holding on to our healthcare data, like it's a Gollum's ring or something, we really need to try to think about this in the bigger picture. And, uh, you know, my, my hope, you know, especially being able to talk about this here and, and everywhere I go is really making sure that the data is really for the patients and the clinicians. I mean, that's why ultimately I hope we're gathering all this stuff. Um, Hopefully at the very center of everything, there's a patient and a doctor or, you know, no doctor if they're healthy. I'll just say uh, a consumer. <laughs> sure. So let's let's discuss a little bit. Get back to
2: politics. I mean, Congress held hearings on this. A big issue. People sort of not allowing their systems to connect or making it difficult. What's it going to take to kind of push that over the top?
3: Wow. If I had that answer, Fred, (laughs) I think it really is. I mean, just in all honesty and just thinking about this, it's all of us working together. So getting the message out that connectivity should be front and center. So sharing data, um, you know, whatever word you want to put on it, interoperability. I think we need to focus more on that. Uh, If you look at meaningful use, that really described a lot of important activities that we do, but it really left out, um, in my mind the, um, levers to make people connect. So I think it will take either regulation, you know, regulating this, uh, the fear of regulating this, which also works. (laughs) Um, but you know, the other side of it that I see coming on more strongly are consumers, you know, slash patients. So people, you know, especially the next generation just expect this kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, I, I don't know exactly what the magic, uh, wand or, you know, is for this problem, but I think it is, Uh, supporting companies supporting efforts that are out there that support connecting so you know not holding the data hostage so to speak
2: we talked some uh, you know over the last couple weeks and as we've met and talked the phone things about and even earlier about move the move to value-based reimbursement are the dollars going to maybe be the one to push that because of the way that's done
3: yeah, that's my great hope. And I don't know exactly what's going on right now in D.C., so <laughs> certainly keeping an eye on that, uh, you know, it's, it's distracting me from day to day right now a little bit. It'll be good to see. But I think uh, when you look at what's going on, that certainly, of course, the money will ultimately drive behavior. But I think that most people and even both sides want to go to more value-based care. Uh, that's my feeling. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of different ways to get there. But I feel like fee for service and sort of the way we've done things from both sides of the aisle, maybe in, all points in between, um, are not really supporting that anymore. So I do feel strongly that uh, we'll get there. I'm just uh, wondering if it's going to be a long, bumpy you know, mountain path or if it's going to be a little smoother.
2: Oh, well, this is healthcare. I think we're pushing the long, bumpy mountain path. <laughs> uh, we're pushing that cart uphill,
3: aren't we? <laughs> but uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think as we get into more um, data and especially from from the pop health side, when we can show actual results that it makes a difference, that's when I think more people will get on board. Uh, certainly you have the big companies. They're pretty efficient. They know how to make money. There's a lot of for-profit businesses uh, that are good ones. And when they see a way to be more efficient and it coincides with something that we think needs to be done anyways, that, that's a good thing. So I think aligning the incentives is certainly important. Uh, one thing is we're trying so many things right now, you know different ways to do value based care, pay for performance, et cetera, that I want to make sure we all have our eyes on those results um, because there, there's so many things going on, it's hard to keep up with everything. and and uh, when we ask ourselves the question, "Hey, is that working?" I don't know if all of us can answer that um, right now mm-hmm. without you know, we don't have access to the data again.
2: Right. So, you know, you're bringing this data together and you talked about value-based care. Are you doing other things with
3: the data or serving a different role as well? We do. Yeah. So we do move the data. We don't do anything um, internal. So we, we basically translate and do some validation and so forth. I would say, you know, if we do anything with it, it's just making sure that both parties, you know, both sides of the exchange can understand each other. So in that sense, we really have a system that can take you know, I'll say one type of data uh, on the provider side, the lab side, and be able to uh, kind of transform that into something that a health plan can understand. So whether that's HL7 or X12 or, or some combination of that uh, or even other, that's what we try to do. So we do speak multiple languages uh, just to make sure that when we exchange data, number one, they can understand each other And then also just bring value to it. I mean, there's uh, healthcare data is so complex. It's so varied. So that even when you're talking about what would otherwise be the same thing, we have a lot of different ways to express that in technology and in data. So we're really trying to um, connect to partners who help us with some of those things. Uh, And, uh, you know, for example, if you look at, um, you know, just the nomenclature, uh, making sure that we understand the concept management. Uh, aspects of data. So those are a little bit more geeky, I guess, but uh, Mm -hmm. we're doing a lot inside the box there uh, to make sure that people can understand each other on both sides. It's probably easier just as an example, um, you know, just saying if I pass out in Louisiana and I faint in Florida and I I fall down in Maryland or, or DC or something, you know, those are all the same idea. And so being able to understand that, we like to have partners who can help us um, kind of rationalize the data so that when we're again, passing it on, it's, it's better than when we got it. We don't lose the original information. We just want to make sure we're pulling it together in a useful way.
2: Mm-hmm. Last week I was involved in a conference on social determinants of health data and analytics. Are you beginning to get any requests or looking to integrate any of those sources?
3: Yes, we are. So as a matter of fact, uh, you know, just in the last, I don't know, say a few weeks, things are heating up, talking to some health plans and, and uh, certainly some health systems. And they're more interested in the non-healthcare data. So it's, it's good that they're asking for it. Um, you know, I don't know all their plans for it, but I think it's good to be able to get uh, some of the information not, like, uh, you know, from Fitbit or, or whoever is working today. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, yes, absolutely. I think that's an exciting time with all the data that we can gather. I just think we have to be careful, At the same time, we're going to have data proliferation, um, but let's make sure that we can, you know, turn that data into some useful knowledge. Right. It's got some value
2: to it. And and I understand you also do something uh, not just with doctors, but in California, you're doing something around bringing data in that's used for quality and performance measures or something like that?
3: That's correct. Yes. So we do uh, pay for performance in California. So we actually are sort of uh, the technology inside of the uh, P4P in California. We accept lab data from uh, the IPAs there in California. We make sure that, again, the data gets to the appropriate health plans and so forth. This is through a partnership that we do with uh, TransUnion. So very proud of that.
2: Got it. And so you're you're pulling that together that then the plans are using in terms of pay for performance with their providers
3: and their network. That's correct, yeah. And you look at pay for performance and you really – if you want to get your pay, you have to calculate performance. The only way to do that is, you know, through data. So we're making sure that that happens. We've been doing that for a little over two years there in California. And that one gives me great hope uh, that we could expand that.
2: So what do you see over the next coming years as the areas, the biggest areas where we can see improvements or maybe the biggest areas that may be barriers to trying to get this stuff done?
3: So yeah, the, I guess the biggest areas, and again, we can go back to what happens with the regulators. I mean, that's certainly uh, helpful. Um, I think we hit on, on the money side. I certainly think we can make sure that there are incentives that support the business of exchanging data. Um, I think that, you know, just as a whole um, industry, we really need to take a good hard look at what are the next priorities. I think we say interoperability a lot. Um, what is that? So let's get down to uh, you know, the workflow, the use cases, whatever they are and start tackling those. Um, I see, you know, like if I were to have a a magic wand and go up to DC right now, I'd certainly put, um, the data kind of front and center, like being able to connect, uh, is so important. And I just feel like we're not pushing that enough. Mm -hmm. Got it. And let me sort of clarify a little bit about your role in
2: this whole ecosystem you're sort of a middleware player that takes data from different sources and then provides it to others for their use and links up multiple sources of data. Is that sort of how you look at Sunfish?
3: Absolutely. So we call it, you know, data as a service. We're, we're neutral. We like to work with anybody. Uh, we actually, you know, spun this off just to be independent of EHRs and other systems. So you've got it. We're a middleware connector. Um, we try to be uh, invisible, but provide useful value when your data shows up in the right place.
2: Right. And and so really it's on the on one side of it might be the data sources and the other side might be people who are then bundling that to pay a bundle payment contract or looking at quality measures or trying to do some analytics off of that or giving it to a certain provider about what happened in other facilities. that sort of the way you look got it. at it?
3: Yeah, absolutely. We're out there making sure that the information, um, again, as we capture it, can, we can move it to the right place at the right time. The good thing about technology, too, when you, you put it in place in somewhere like a skilled nursing facility, um, you can send it to multiple places downstream. So we're improving multiple kind of workflows at the same time. And that's really important. So you know, we can fire off information to the biller and let that process begin. At the same time, we get information to the uh, primary care physician, uh, you know, in, in the circumstances where that is appropriate. So now they can begin doing activities that are more clinically based. And then yep. we can also get the information back to the facilities. And that's something that they're they're really uh, they're really clamoring for.
2: Yeah, I find, yeah, and, and I want to get back something you said a little earlier because it's it's sort of suddenly just stuck with with here is you said the doctors were paying for this and typically doctors are saying wait they're not the ones that have a lot of funds it really t- obviously have to be tight with what they do what what are you bringing to them if they say hey this is worth funding this baby up as a physician
3: so we really make a usable system that's on chart path and I'll I'll say that again but it's really focused on the clinical user, um, you know, the doctors and the nurses, it begins with them. So they they use our tool and pay for it because it's more efficient. So one example is, uh, imagine if you're seeing 15, 20, you know, 25 patients a day, whatever the case may be. And every time you see a patient, you spend two or three minutes with a three-hole, you know, uh, punch system, you know, where you print out a piece of paper, you have to uh, punch the holes in it find the three-ring binder, hopefully the right one, and put it in the binder. That's a doctor and a nurse doing that. We don't feel like that's good use of time, and and they agreed with us. So when we finish, uh, you know, moving to the technology, they basically chart on a patient and walk away. Uh, So now one, two, three minutes times 15 or 20 is a significant part of your day. So that's just one example of an efficiency that we bring for the doctors. Mm -hmm. And when they see that, you know, it lets them spend more time with patients uh, and obviously, it helps their business out as well. So it's really a proposition that uh, they feel strongly about. And we like that. We want to make sure that the doctors are getting the value out of this because they're providing the care to the to
2: patients. And getting to the delivery of that platform, is it
3: PC-based, tablet-based? It doesn't matter? does not matter. Just a cloud-based uh, system. We see about half of the doctors on some sort of mobile or tablet. Uh, the other half are on some sort of uh, you know MacBook, laptop type situation so it's just a cloud-based system uh, if we go out to places that don't have connectivity we'll solve that as well we'll kind of bring partners or solutions to make sure that we're upgrading everything we'd really like healthcare to be a place where anytime any of us touch it all the vendors you know we improve whatever we see so that's our approach
2: well we it- it's, it's a really great conversation, John. It's been a pleasure having you on the show and learning more about Sunfish. And I also like your opening statement that everything begins and ends with data. That's a population health-based approach. i have ever heard one. So thanks a lot for being a guest on Pop Health Week. Hey, thanks so much. I appreciate it.
1: And that'll have to be the last word on today's broadcast. I want to thank my co-host, Fred Goldstein, for his thoughtful engagement of our guest today and John McBride, founder and chairman At Sunfish Health for his time, passion, and insights. Do follow John's work at Sunfish Health via www.sunfishhealth.com and on Twitter via at j a McBride m c b r i d e and Sunfish Health respectively. And finally, if your hospital, health system, physician venture, or healthcare conference is in the market for social media support, including content development, curation, engagement, or amplification. Ping me on Twitter via at 2, the number 2, health guru, or email greg at healthinnovationmedia.com with two Gs. Until we meet again on Pop Health Week, for Fred Goldstein, this is Greg Masters saying bye now.
0: happens every summer stargazers delight in the opportunity to view constellations that can't be seen in winter while car lovers delight in the opportunity to own one of our stars at the mercedes-benz summer event you can get the mercedes-benz of your dreams for less than you thought possible like the supremely intelligent e-class sedan or the awe-inspiring glc don't miss this once in a summertime opportunity hurry in to our summer event visit mbusa.com to learn more mercedes-benz the best or nothing It happens every summer. Stargazers delight in the opportunity to view constellations that can't be seen in winter, while car lovers delight in the opportunity to own one of our stars. At the Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, you can get the Mercedes-Benz of your dreams for less than you thought possible, like the supremely intelligent E-Class sedan or the awe-inspiring GLC. Don't miss this once-in-a-summertime opportunity. Hurry in to our summer event. Visit MBUSA.com to learn more. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing.